So we might, we'll just pray before we start. Um, so Father, we thank you that we're all able to meet together still. We thank you that there's a way, Lord, that we can still meet together, Lord, and hear your word, Lord. We pray that your word would impact us deeply, Father. We pray that we'll put it into, into practice, into our lives. And Jesus, help us to represent you well for this time. Help us to um, advance your kingdom while the whole world retracts, Lord. Help us to advance your kingdom. And bless the word that Ian brings, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless him through this, Lord. We pray there won't be any technical difficulties, Father, Lord, but pray, Lord, that we'll hear your word loud and clear, Father. And we thank you for the message that he has. Amen. 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 Thanks, Mike, for that uh, prayer and uh, welcome everybody to City Edge Sunday morning again. Um, our message for today comes from John chapter 4, the woman at the well story you're all familiar with. So if you'd like to get your Bibles open and uh, ready in John chapter 4, and uh, we will start to have a look at what uh, the Word has got to tell us there. So water, water is the most precious commodity on this planet and yet it's also one of the most abundant about 70% of our planet is covered by water but almost all of that water is undrinkable up to three quarters of the human body is made up of water but even with that much of us made up of water we can only survive a few days without it when someone gets lost in the outback they usually die from dehydration not from injury or animal attack Everything we drink, whether it's orange juice or coffee or soft drink or even whiskey, is made up mostly of water. Water even makes food taste better. Have you ever had a steak that was dry and tasteless? That's most likely because it's had nearly all of the water cooked out of it. Everything is made better by the presence of water. Most people prefer a holiday by the sea or on the river or at least a place with a swimming pool. Not many people choose to holiday in a dry, dead dust bowl. But water can also be a killer. Most of that water that covers the face of the earth will kill you if you drink too much of it. Rivers can become polluted and deadly, and worlds traditionally have a wall built around them or a cover over them to stop animals falling in and contaminating the water. Water can keep you alive, or water can kill you. Water, or the lack of it, affects everything, even the cost of living. One of my best mates is a wool grower, and the drought of the last several years forced him to reduce his stock levels by about 90%. But unfortunately, his expenses didn't go down by 90%. In fact, many of his expenses actually went up because he had to buy feed to keep his few remaining sheep alive. Lack of water is costly. Real estate values are influenced by water. Access to a reliable water source can be the difference between a property that sells or one that languishes on the market. A property with water views is usually worth more than one without those views. And a waterfront property is valued astronomically higher than one that's even only one street back. So how do we put a value on something that's so vital to life? The woman at the well in John chapter 4 knew the value of water. She had to make the trek to Jacob's well every day in the heat of the day to draw enough water to drink and to cook with for another day. 
and every trip there alone in the blistering heat of the noonday sun was a reminder to her of her isolation, her rejection, her humiliation, her failure. What wouldn't she give to not have to go to that well anymore? John chapter 4 starts, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptising more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptise, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a woman of Samaria for a drink? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water bubbling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Water is one of the great themes of the Bible. The Bible opens with creation and the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Then the Lord God plants the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to live in. And there was a spring of water there that became the source of water for that garden and it flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers, it tells us in Genesis 2. This spring of water branched off into four great rivers that flowed off in different directions to bring life to the surrounding land. This is a very early picture of what was to come. So before we go any further, let's have a quick look at a couple of other passages that the Garden of Eden was pointing to. Just uh, roughly in the middle of the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, it tells us, Then the Lord brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, Water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And a little further on, wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. And in verse 12, and on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. 
And then if we skip right to the end of the Bible, we see in Revelation 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The Bible is bookended by this theme of water, water that brings life. It starts with rivers that provide for physical life, and it ends with a river that provides eternal life. Does that remind you of Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well? Let's go back and look at some more examples of this theme of water in the Bible. The book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, opens with the command of Pharaoh to kill all the baby boys born to the Hebrew people by throwing them into the Nile River. But one mother could not bear to let her newborn son die, so she made a little floating basket and put him in that same river. Pharaoh's daughter found him and adopted him and named him Moses, which means drawn out of water. The Nile River was the waters of death for the Hebrew baby boys, but it proved to be living water for Moses. About 80 years later, the people escaped Egypt and their slavery, led by the same Moses, this time through the waters of the Red Sea. But while they were in the wilderness on the other side, they ran out of water. They found water at Marah, but it was poisonous, and they promptly proceeded to complain, only three days after their miraculous rescue through water. How quickly people forget their blessings. But the Lord took the poison out of the water, and turned it into sweet water for them, living water for them. And from there he led them to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water, and seventy palm trees, that's symbolic language and they camped there by the water shortly after that they moved on from there and again they ran out of water and again their first response is to complain this time there was no water source at all so God commanded Moses to strike the rock in front of him with his staff when he did so Enough water flowed out of the rock that it was able to provide water for millions of people and all their livestock. This was no trickle of water. This was a gushing torrent of water. This was living water, for it saved them from certain death. The New Testament tells us that not only was this living water for the people there, but it was a picture of Christ. Who, and his ever-present willingness to provide living water for his people. It's a picture that is rich with other symbolism also, especially the picture of rescue that one day will be provided through Christ. One day, Jesus Christ will be struck so that he too could bring life. This event in the wilderness was symbolic of the coming crucifixion of Christ. You see how important this theme of water is in the Bible, and we've only looked at a few books so far. 
Now that wasn't the only time that Moses struck a rock in the wilderness to bring life-giving water to the people. The next time it happens, though, Moses is told not to strike the rock, but to speak to it, and water will flow. Now that's an important distinction, and it's one that should make us sit up and take notice when Jesus said to the woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Moses, that's all you needed to do. Rock, give me a drink, and water would flow. We could go on to the opening verses of Psalm 23 or Psalm 42. Or we could go further on into Jeremiah where the Lord thunders a terrifying judgment on the people and it's one that judges us today as well. Jeremiah 2.13 it says My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. There is a source. There is a fountain of living water available. But, like the Israelites, too many of us turn our back on that fountain. Instead, we determine to seek our water, flow, water supply in the dry wells we have dug ourselves. And this current crisis shows us graphically that the wells we dig of wealth and career and fame and health and family are all broken systems that can't be relied on to hold water. There is only one source of water that we can count on to sustain life, and that's the Lord himself, which is exactly what Jesus was offering to this woman. There's much more in the Old Testament that we could look at. There's dozens, probably hundreds of passages that shed light on this theme of living water. But getting back to our text, you would remember from a couple of weeks ago that Jesus had a divine appointment in Samaria with this woman. So he arrives at the well and he sits down on the side of the well and he waits for her to come. And when she does, he asks her for a drink of water, which catches her completely off guard because Jews despise Samaritans so much they would never consider sharing a cup with them. While Jesus, being fully human, had a legitimate need to quench his thirst, this was also his way of introducing a much deeper conversation with this woman about her spiritual thirst. She had a thirst that she didn't really know. And so do we. While we know where our physical thirst comes from, where does our spiritual thirst come from? Everyone has it but few recognise it as such. But that thirst is the reason people get interested in religion in its various forms. Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, ancestor worship, Wicca, occult, and so on, and so on, and so on. One of the surprises to many people is that in an increasingly secular society, in a society that prides itself on rational, scientific and materialistic thinking, increasing numbers of people are turning to religion or spirituality in some form to connect with something beyond themselves. 
something to fill the emptiness they sense within themselves, but they can't quite describe. Materialism has shown us that it can't satisfy us. Even if we accumulate more than we could use in a hundred lifetimes, and relationships can never satisfy that thirst, even if we have a thousand good friends. Why is that? Because God has designed us for relationship with him. He has designed us that way from the beginning, from creation. And we remain empty and thirsty, spiritually thirsty, until we have that relationship with him. That's why so many people seek something deeper in religion. John 4.10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water bubbling up to eternal life. The woman, not surprisingly, is thinking only of physical water. She has never pieced together all the hints and the pictures in the Old Testament that point to a source of living water, spiritual water, that satisfies forever. We all know that water only quenches our thirst for a while. She certainly knew it because she had to go to the well every day to collect more water. But she can't figure out how he is going to collect that water. The well's about 30 metres or so deep. He has no bucket, no rope, no way of getting water from the well or from any other source that she can see. So how can he offer her water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, she asked him. You must think you're pretty good if you can get water without any effort, without any exertion, without any tools to dig with or any bucket to collect it in. Jacob was venerated amongst both the Jews and the Samaritans. He was an ancestor of both races. Jacob was the man God renamed Israel. He was one of the most important characters in their combined history. This area was historically Jacob's turf, and Jacob's son Joseph was buried there. You must think you're pretty important. Are you greater than their father, Jacob? Jesus doesn't say explicitly just so yet, but the answer is, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am much greater than your father Jacob. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. 
We've all found that our quest to quench our spiritual thirst in materialism or relationships or religion doesn't satisfy for long. Hence the need to go deeper and deeper in a vain attempt to find satisfaction. Hence the need to accumulate more and more stuff in a vain attempt to take away our thirst. But lasting satisfaction can only be provided by Jesus Christ. And the water he provides doesn't need hard work in the heat of the day to collect it. In fact, once we have it, it doesn't even require us to go searching for more and more. Instead, it will become a spring of water bubbling up to eternal life. This water bubbles up from within. It's the difference between a well where the water just ponds at the bottom growing more stagnant by the day and a spring which has its source outside of itself. It has its source elsewhere and it continues to provide fresh water even under pressure. You can fill a well with rocks and soil and never get to that water again. But you can't contain a spring. Cover it over and it will just push its way up and through and continue to flow. The woman yet doesn't yet understand what it is that Jesus is offering her. But he's stirred her curiosity and he's identified a deep longing within her. And she wants what he has to offer, whatever it is. Why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't we? We all know that nothing of this world satisfies for very long. Nothing here takes away our thirst. Why wouldn't we long for that which would quench our deepest thirst? And why wouldn't we seek after something that will not only quench our spiritual thirst, but in the process bubble up to eternal life? All those pictures of rivers and water in the Old Testament were all pointing forward to something else. They were all just pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that would one day be fully revealed in Jesus Christ. They were all a preview, a movie trailer, if you like, of what God was doing. They were all designed to stir you to recognise that some water is deadly. Some water only quenches for a time but some water is living water this movie is not yet complete remember that passage we looked at in Revelation the angel showed me a river of the water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That passage in Revelation is still defined full completion, but it shows us that, that this living water only comes from one source. It flows from the very throne of God in the heavenlies, And it brings life, life eternal. 
The deepest thirst of the human heart is the thirst for meaning, for purpose, for value, for relationship. But we usually chase fulfilment of that thirst in things that can never satisfy. We chase them in the things of this world, in our work, in our hobbies, in our friendships, things which only satisfy for a time. But we just don't find satisfaction there. You've all lived long enough to realise that your wealth, your comfort, your security will not last. Even young people have lived long enough to recognise that in these times. But Jesus extends an invitation to you for something which does last. You've already seen treasured relationships fall apart. You've seen your health declining as you get older. You know you can't depend on them long term for your satisfaction. Jesus invites you too. He invites you to take a drink of living water. Water that only he can provide. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's yours for the asking. But you have to ask it of him. No one else can supply it. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water bubbling up to eternal life. There is no cost to this water. You only need to come to him and ask. The price to supply this living water was paid by Jesus Christ himself. The one who offers it to us paid for it with his own life so that he could offer it for free to us, to all of us. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Won't you ask him for this water? He went out of his way to meet with the Samaritan woman to offer it to her. It's his delight to offer it to you too. And if you will come to him for that water, if you will ask him for that water, if you will do that, the promise of Revelation seven fifteen to 17 will be yours too. You will be before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter you with his presence you shall hunger no more neither thirst any more the sun shall not strike you nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be your shepherd and he will guide you 
to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from your eyes let's pray Jesus you cried out on that cross I thirst Lord we thirst too we thirst deeper than we know and we come to you this morning to ask for living water for water that never runs out for water that bubbles up within us to eternal life we thank you Lord that you were the rock struck to provide that living water and we thank you that it is available now to anyone and everyone just for the asking Jesus would you bring living water to our family, our friends, our workmates, our colleagues who have not yet found that source of water that always satisfies. We pray, Lord, that during this time of crisis and lockdowns, that not only would you keep people safe from harm, but that you would make yourself known to them as the one who provides perfect peace, perfect comfort, perfect satisfaction, perfect salvation, living water to eternal life. Lord, we pray for the nations that are suffering with this coronavirus where people are dying in the hundreds and the thousands. We pray for our friends in Colombia, Lord, where people are dying from the virus on the streets. We pray, Lord, you will bring living water to them, bring healing water to them. Bring healing water to them physically, Lord, but living water spiritually to eternal life. Lord, we pray that you'll bring your peace and your comfort to that nation and every nation, Lord, where the virus rages. We pray, Lord, that people will be stirred to come to you for water, for life and we pray this Jesus in your precious and mighty name Amen